spiritual Kevlar. Next, on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. In today's modern warfare, our armor is just as important as our weapons. Really, nothing's changed in the last few thousand years. It's always been the case. Going into battle and staying alive depended largely on the armor that you had. So what is the armor that we have available to us, spiritually speaking, for the spiritual battles that we face? Glad you asked. We have some answers today here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Won't you join us? Ephesians chapter 6. Here's Pastor Phil. Turn to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. We're looking at uh, God's armor to protect you in an evil day. For we don't want to scare you, but the devil is out to destroy you. He hates God. He hates his people. Is there anything new? That's not a new thing. It doesn't really make you feel real happy that you've got one for sure enemy in life, and that is Satan. He's not omnipotent, but he's more powerful than anything you could ever come up with. He's smarter than you, and for some of us, that's not a hard job. Uh, He's uh, smarter and more powerful. And so, how can I survive against such an opponent? I don't have a fighting chance in my own strength or my own wisdom. And this is exactly where Paul is winding up the epistle of Ephesians, telling us that God's made you rich in salvation. God has done great things for you. But it's amazing how many believers are beat up. Believers that have learned to live with guilt as a way of life. They live with anxiety as a way of life. And they've lived that way so long they think it's the Christian life. They don't know it's the defeated Christian that there is a dysfunction, an abnormality that is occurring. Because God did not save you to be miserable. You were already miserable when he found you. He saved you to give you salvation, joy, and to give you a new life in Christ, and to deliver you from the kingdom of darkness, the domain of Satan, and to deliver him from running your life. And he's now coming to the part that though we live not in a playground, but a battlefield, our God is sufficient for the enemy. And when you're God's child, you get God's resources. You get God's protection and God's power. And let us look at it. Verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Other words, get your strength from the Lord. He is all the power. You let him empower you. And all I know there is you rely on him and you ask him for this power. Now, the power he provides is to enable you to put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes or his methodical process of destroying us. For our struggle is not against uh, the pool hall crowd, and it's not against your kin folks or your neighbors. It's not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, 
you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. I understand this day of evil to be two things. This present age is a time of evil. The whole age until Christ comes is a period in which Satan is running loose. But in the midst of even that evil day are seasons of attack. So you're in the evil day all the time on one sense, but it's like being engaged in war. You might be at war, but you're not always engaged in shooting a gun. There are breaks. You do get to sleep. You do get to eat. You do get to take breaks in that. And so sometimes when you feel you're under the heaviest assault of the enemy, he's saying, be sure you take God's armor and appropriate it. Now he says, the purpose of that armor is that you might stand, that you might stand. You never conquer the devil. Only Christ does that. The goal of standing is that don't let him conquer you. That is the issue. Christ will conquer Satan and only Christ can. But the goal in the Christian life is not to be controlled or routed by the enemy. Stand firm with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And we'll cover the prayer aspect as we conclude Ephesians this evening. Trust you can make that. Look, if you will, at your notes uh, to understand this armor. Paul it happens to be in prison when he writes the book of Ephesians. It's a prison epistle. And before him was a Roman soldier. And so he just picked off the pieces of that soldier's protective armor to draw an analogy to the protective uh, armor and he makes that illustration we have as Christian soldiers. And so that you don't have to worry about whether it's a belt, breastplate, helmet. He takes and he hangs six truths, six truths that becomes the divine armor for the Christian soldier that you must have. And it's not armor, of course, that we wear physically, but when we are under attack and our attack comes to the mind, Satan places thoughts. He, uh, we're not ignorant of his thoughts, he could say in 2 Corinthians 2.11. Uh, he does not attack us physically necessarily, although he got permission to attack Job's children and kill them. And he, he destroyed Job's property. So if Satan's granted permission, he can do a lot of physical damage as well. But primarily the Christian battle and fight is the fight against satanic thoughts that are placed, satanic seductions, satanic doubts. And so he attacks primarily the mind. There's where the Christian life is lived. And so he's using the analogy that when these thoughts are coming, we need to take up, as it were, the counterattack, the armor, the defense, be able to just shield ourselves from these thoughts and replace the satanic thought with a divine 
thought, a divine perspective. And he begins to enumerate, for this battle you must be anchored in truth. You must be anchored in righteousness, anchored in the gospel that brings peace. You must be someone walking in faith. You must be someone uh, that uh, is using the sword of the Spirit, someone that is sure about salvation. At least six areas you have to have in the arsenal to protect your heart and mind against Satan's barrage and Satan's ammunition that is fired at you. I give you a sample here of the purpose of the armor and the nature of the armor, and then I just give you a, a sampling of some of the ways we know Satan works. He plants distrust and doubt in God and God's word. He tempts to lie. He filled the heart of Ananias and Sapphira to lie to the Holy Spirit. He tempts us to immorality. He seeks to be worshipped. And as you read Romans 1 and 2 Thessalonians, you read the term, the lie. And the lie is always to worship a created thing in place of God. And Satan is always behind seductive worship. He'll get you to worship anything as long as it's not God. And that's why he is the demonic power behind idolatry. And 1 Corinthians 8 through 10 goes into that. That there is a demon behind the wooden idol. There is a demon behind whatever idol. You say, how could people ever worship a piece of wood? No one would ever stoop to do that. There are millions of people that worship wood. Millions of people that worship idols. Millions of people that have got an idol on their dashboard hoping that it will protect them. What gives it power? Satan uh, tries to get believers to act independent of God. Some of you acted independent so long you don't even know the devil's involved. You just think it's your personality. Well, you become demonic. To act independent of God is to act satanic. Don't tell me what to do. I am self-governing, autonomous. I don't need God, church, Bible. I don't need any of it because I am a self-sufficient man. Oh, you deceived person. You are deceived. He persecutes God's people. He seeks to hinder their work. Uh, he tempts us to an unforgiving spirit. They had a brother that was immoral in the Corinthian church. And by the time he repented, it's a weird thing in this church. On one side, they didn't want to discipline him. And they tolerated his sin. And then by the time they got engaged in the discipline process, they didn't want to forgive him. And I've seen both sides of that in a church. Some that would tolerate anything and others wouldn't forgive anything. And so we've got to beware of Satan's involvement that he always promotes an unforgiving spirit. He tempts us to be a coward in spiritual things. You see people, they can sell uh, ice cubes to Eskimos and they get frozen at the mouth when it's time to share Christ. What's that all about? It's satanic spirit of cowardice. Uh, I'm afraid of evangelism. I'm afraid to share my faith. Why? You're not afraid to talk about everything else. A lot of guys can tell the most uh, vulgar, dirty jokes about the most intimate issues of life and then they become a Christian and they can't say, Jesus is my savior. What's, what's that about? That's a spiritual routing. 
suppressing the gospel so no one will find out you're a Christian. Tempts us to laziness. It's laziness in spiritual things. Uh, that's the idea. Uh, they are lazy and Satan is leading people astray. And isn't it amazing when you open your Bible that ether comes off the pages? And every time I read the Bible, I get sleepy. What's that about? Satan? But boy, gone with the wind. Just, I can't wait till the next chapter. You get into some no novel that says nothing. Whew, I got to get home. Why? And I've heard people, I'm in this book. Oh, you are. Uh, what, what is it? Oh, it's, you know, Jane shot spot or something, you know. And, and I just can't wait till the next chapter. Oh, is this a life principle? No, I think she's falling in love with someone at the office and she's married and I got to see if she falls in love. Wow. You know, a lot of you are going to die and go to heaven and all of a sudden Daniel's going to come up to you and you're going to say, hey, what's your name? Daniel. Hey, Daniel, how are you? Uh, uh, where do you come from? And Daniel said, did you ever read my book? What book? You wrote a book? What, what, when, when did you do that? You never, you never heard of the book? No, never did. Uh, did you own a Bible? Yes, dusted it off every week. Set it right there on the TV. We kind of dedicate our TV. <laughs> Family devotions. We kneel at the TV and put our hands on the Bible. God bless this program. I mean, it's going to be amazing how many Bible writers you're going to meet in heaven. And you're going to have to say, I never, well, I, Jeremiah, what's that name again? Spell it. You wrote a book? No, nah, not really, just 52 chapters. Huh. Matthew, you know, I named one of my children Matthew. Who are you? Well, I wrote a gospel. God's man, whoo, did you? What would you have written? Uh, you could have read it. It's going to be wonderful just to meet all these Bible writers. And they're going to say, did you read my book? Tempts to laziness. You're already convicted, aren't you? Snatches the word of God out of our hearts. You will not forget. You will not remember this sermon for 10 days. In 10 days, someone asks you, what did you hear Sunday? Most of you, 90% of you say, I don't know what he preached on. Because as soon as you hit that exit sign, the devil is going to steal everything he can. Because if you can hide it in your heart, it'll change your life. Just putting in an hour and a half won't change your life. But if this book gets in your heart, it'll change the way you think and the way you behave. But you watch, you test yourself. Write it down somewhere, what I preached on today. Ten, from 10 days from now, take the test. What did he speak on? Don't ask me either. Uh, accuses the saints and blasphemes God. He accuses the saints all the time. And when he's cast down to the earth. So if you like to pick on the saints, you're one of Satan's handy pieces. And uh, I find so many saints wanting to do the devil's work. Leave him alone. Let him specialize at this. Don't, don't accuse us. We got an accuser that knows a lot more about each of us than you do. Did you hear? Did you know? No, well, no, I don't, but the devil does. And he's already accusing me before the throne. He already beat you to it. And you see pictures of it all through the Bible, accusing the people of God. Slamming God, slamming his motives. So all these kinds of temptations and thoughts come at us. What in the world are we to do? He starts off, you need this belt of truth. And he just saw the Roman soldier with this belt that was around him, hung the sword, hung the implements of war on him. 
And so he says, ah, it, the Christian soldier must be armed with truth as with a belt around the waist. And so he says that when you're in the evil day, the thing you must be sure of is truth. Now that's not as easy as it sounds. Because there's a whole field of epistemology that says, and epistemology is a nice philosophical term that says, what is it that determines what you believe? And we call that epistemology. What is it that would determine whatever you will believe or whatever you will practice? And today, a masterpiece is being worked out in the culture. Most of us are not even aware of it because we're not at Cal Berkeley in a philosophy class or in an ethics class. But if you pastors are taking classes on what's known as postmodernism, and, and that's the buzzword uh, shift, cultural shift, they say. And postmodernism simply says, we've agreed to agree that there is no governing absolute truth for the culture. And so that the only thing that is true is what's true for you, but what's true for you may not be true for me. So the only thing I can do to be sophisticated in this culture is to be tolerant of all views. Because since none of us possess the truth, since there is no such thing as the truth, we must be tolerant of all subjective, relative opinions, and our opinions become the truth for us. And so when people hear preaching, they'll say, that is obviously the truth for that fanatic that loves the Bible. He seems to really be in that, and they won't even be offended. Say, Isn't that a sincere view? Isn't that a nice view? Well, it's not, is it a view? Is it the truth? Where do you go to determine what's true? Your heart? Your emotions? My experiences? There are two sources for the Christian soldier. One is the divine person who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not a relative truth, I am it in the flesh. I am the epitome of truth, Jesus Christ. Now they would say, ooh, you're getting a little hostile. You seem to have a conviction. You seem to be, don't get worked up. We all just hold opinions. No. You know, I'm, I, this is so you, no, I have the truth. You'll get over it. You're just a little foaming at the mouth fundamentalist. You need a tequila margarita chill you out. You'll get over it. And then another thing we say is, sanctify them by thy truth. John 17, 17, thy word, thy word is truth. So in the day of battle, is no time for you to do a scurrying class on what will be true for you. It's the moral agenda. Well, uh, premarital sex is wrong. Well, that's your view. Does God have a view? Well, no, because we're all gods. When you're going to get into new age and just become a god and make up your own rules, the sin of the garden is we all have become gods. Rotting, dying gods. 
headed for a crisis eternity. And yet he tells these Ephesians who were used to demonic practices. And if you read Acts 19 and 20, they're burning up all the witchcraft books. They were full of demonic background and experiences. And it says, when the enemy comes against your soul, the first weapon you must say is, I will cling to the thus saith the word of the Lord in my worst day. It's the only thing I'm certain of is what God is and what God has said. All the surmisings of my heart may vary and fluctuate. All my circumstances are in flux. I, I'm like a, a pilot flying in the fog. I must trust the compass and the instrument panel. I can't see the, the landing strip. In the midst of an evil day, I will trust the truths of God. They will anchor my soul in the midst of when the enemy is hitting me and I'm knocked nearly unconscious and my helmet's knocked around and I'm seeing stars. What will you do in the evil day? I will cling to divine truth. Not the opinions of my heart or the opinions of a Christless culture. And then, while I'm in this time, I've got a breastplate. Now, if you've read Pilgrim's Progress, he said his back wasn't covered. Uh, and John Bunyan made a great spiritual point. He says, don't run from the enemy for there's no covering for the back. It's a great practical Christian point, but the Roman's armor covered the complete torso. It covered front and back. And he says, you need to be sure you're covered in righteousness. Now, uh, expositors and commentators argue over this. Since you're to put this on, some say this is putting on a righteous life and that it refers to holiness of life. That in the evil day, be sure you're putting on righteous conduct. And I, I think that is there. I hate to disagree with greater minds than my own. But I, I think the first primary truth for me, as I understand this is, there's two kinds of righteousness imputed righteousness, the righteousness of Christ that is received by faith, and then I'm clothed in it as in a garment, and that Christ becomes my righteousness, and the other kind of righteousness is my ethics. I, I live a righteous kind of life. I live it out. I live it out. Now, I want to ask you, when Satan is working on you and bombarding you with doubt, is attacking you for a sin you committed, He's not making it up. You really did do the sin. And he's loading you down with guilt. And he's telling you how unfit and unworthy you are to be God's child. I ask you, what kind of righteousness do you have to be sure of in that day? I think it's the imputed righteousness that God could cover someone as dirty as you and you never lose this covering, even in the evil day. Studying God's Word that we might grow in grace, that we might be encouraged in our walk and relationship with Him. You're listening to Truth For Today and Pastor Phil Howard. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us this morning. It's our prayer that our time together has done just that, encouraged you in your relationship with Christ, bolstered you up for the day. 
If you would like to review today's broadcast, copies are available when you contact us. We also have the series today's message was taken from, other resource materials available as well, the recent books authored by our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. They can all be found at our website, valleybible.org. A lot of resource materials available there, other CDs and series as taught by Pastor Phil Howard recently here at Valley Bible Church. Again, they're all found at our store online, valleybible.org. If you wish to speak with someone directly, call during business hours, Monday through Friday, 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. Or write to us, 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. If you'd like to know where we meet for worship, service times, directions, location, it can all be found at our website, valleybible.org, and we would love to see you. Please consider this a formal invitation to join us for worship if you're not involved in a church near you. Again, directions can be found at valleybible.org or by calling 855 855- 833-9864. And again, we mention it from time to time, it bears repeating, as TFT sustainers, financial partners with the radio broadcast, you ensure the continuation of this broadcast here on KFAX. Would you prayerfully consider how you might partner with us financially? And then call us. Let us know that you're interested in becoming a TFT sustainer. We'll pass along our quarterly newsletter to you, a once-a-year special gift. Take a break with Pastor Phil. The weekly video devotional will be available as well. Again, valleybible.org for more information or call 855-833-9864. No gift is too large or too small. We'd love to hear from you. Call us today and then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Pastor Phil Howard.